welcome to Industry 4.0. Welcome and good morning, everyone, to episode 32 of I4O. Uh, I'm joined today uh, by Irvin and Jeff. Jeff, good to have you back on the show. Thanks, man. Good <laughs> to be here. Yeah, yeah. Missed you guys. Missed you in particular. Yeah, just me. You um, have, you've had Irvin. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Irvin is so long. It's fine. It's, it's fine. I, I'm tired of talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have an exciting um uh, Business, new business to discuss for the episode. We have a little bit of follow-up on cryptocurrency. Um, we have a little bit of news about Firefox overstepping its boundaries uh, and some laser beam talk. So um, let's jump straight into it and get on with the cryptocurrency talk. So I know we mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but uh, this uh, Engadget article um, details that as online advertisement begins to fail, sites begin to mine cryptocurrency. So um, this is an interesting take, and this is kind of the the path that we wanted them to go in, um, almost dropping advertisements or considering uh, mining cryptocurrency for revenue in the background of um, of the of your web browsing experience, but. I like the uh, the first line in the article. Is this bubble? What bubble? <laughs> <laughs> Ignoring the potential for a huge crash in Bitcoin, um, and that's that's a whole different topic on, in itself. But um, people seem to really be taking a liking to cryptocurrency, and we're starting to see it implemented in very mainstream ways. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how this. How do you think this is going to pan out for websites, especially if people are calling this a bubble? I mean, ad blocking has been more and more prevalent by users. The, the, the websites are seeing a big, big hit in terms of a revenue that they're receiving from customers because more and more people are starting to block ads through uh, extensions on their browsers. And um, the ads are getting worse and worse. I know one of the main reasons I started blocking ads is because they're just bad. They're real bad ads and they take up the entire page especially when you're a mobile um it just makes the whole experience uh not very nice to use uh, in terms of just browsing i'm just trying to read an article and it just giant ad pops up in the middle of the screen um so i'm for one i'm willing to trade my cpu cycles uh for the website to make money on another way other than ads so that as long as I, it's not during a show yeah, as long as it's not done. No. You don't have any additional CPU left. I don't have yeah. currently no, no additional <laughs> CPU uh, to give. Um, but yeah, I, I'm completely fine with this. It's a different way of of getting revenue for the site and might be more, maybe even more profitable than, a, than an actual going through an ad agency like Google. Um, I think it could be. It's, um, it's interesting that this is... Uh, like an, a script injection method, though, just the concept of doing that when you're uh, accessing a web page and having it use your resources to uh, achieve a profitable outcome for the owner of the site or whoever is injecting said script. Uh, it's definitely a different model. I'm not sure how to feel about it, if I'm being honest. Uh, ads are annoying, but at least you have the option of like disregarding them or not buying the product your your resources they, get well used. yeah so yeah i like the idea where you have to opt in 
to yeah. like, hey, do you want to see ads or you want to mine cryptocurrency for us? Right. You get mm-hmm. the choice. Yeah. I like that more. I do. I, I think that's a, a the best possible option for for this instead of doing both or just one. Or I like, like it, that. Or like it detects like, hey, you're looks like you're using a uh a, a ad blocker. Would you like to mine Bitcoin instead to support our site? Right. Um, I might do that for certain sites that I hate, like that I like, that I love to read. I love their content, right? But I hate their ads on it. And it's like, I want to support you. I want to support uh, your business. I'm, I'm no, not against that at all. If you're making, if you're putting out good content, I want to support that. Um, but if you're putting intrusive ads on there, I'm still going to block it. Yeah, right. And it's important to note um, specifically to this article. Um, the reason why it's being brought up again is um, a Twitter user, Noah Dinkin, spotted a Starbucks location overtaxing its customers' machines to mine for cryptocurrency, Monero. So they, uh, the reward site for Argentina was using its portal to run CoinHive's code through injecting scripts to farm the coins. Um, that's the reason why that it's being brought up today, um, as opposed to just when the trend was spotted in September when we reported on it. But um, it... They haven't, Starbucks hasn't responded about the cryptocurrency mining. So they, it, it kind of leads people to believe that it may be done in a, a semi shady way. Like there's, they're not commenting on it openly, or maybe it's something else. Um, it's still kind of open to speculation at this point. Um, but yeah, this is, we, we've seen it before in, in sites like Pirate Bay and other websites, but, um, I think that transparency is important and something that when you do this for people, because you are doing something akin to malware when you steal yeah. CPU cycles. And I mean, when you look at it with JavaScript injection and, and uh, stuff like that, like websites do it all the time for other purposes also. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but it's still something that I think requires trans transparency. Yeah. Um, so, and that's something else worth noting too is that um, malware operations are using this injection on like things like Chrome extensions, or if they hack a website and insert it for their own good, uh, you have people who are basically hacking websites, throwing this in there, and then making themselves a boatload of Bitcoin or whatever you call it, uh, Monero, Monero, <laughs> Monero, yeah. Um, you know, by injecting this on users for their own benefit as opposed to the website operator. Um, Something else that I wanted to talk about is how this is going to affect advertising in a different way. If this does become popularized and you have crypto mining going on on websites as opposed to seeing online ads, for example, I I don't think those ads are just going to go away. I think they're going to show up in another part of our lives that we may not expect yet. So keep that in mm-hmm. mind too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the companies that would no longer benefit from having their ads placed on a website are going to still need to advertise their content somewhere. Yeah. And um, specifically to CoinHive, um, this is also, I know you guys use uh, uBlock Origins or uh, I don't know if you use that or AdBlock Plus, but a lot of these um, ad blockers are... Uh, and even AdGuard as well. Uh, they're calling it crypto jacking, and a lot of them have openly started blocking 
these scripts from being run. Hmm. Um, so especially uBlock Origin, they were, apparently this is the, uh, I think they say that in the article, it's the second most frequently blocked website for customers. CoinHive is. So it looks like that a lot of the popular ad blockers and kind of the people in control of what JavaScript is allowed to run on your browser have flagged this as malware, at least for now. But um, that's just something else to note for this as well. So if you're running uBlock Origin or um, another one of the popular ad blockers, I'm not sure if AdBlock is doing it, um, they, but they that's a whole different note in AdBlock's practices versus uBlock Origin. Uh, it's a whole different discussion that we could have. <laughs> but um, it's it's interesting to see that uh, some of these ad blockers have taken a stance on it. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. But um, you know what hasn't been blocked? Uh, Firefox has just recently been caught installing add-ons uh, without people's notice or without telling anybody. Um, this is very akin to the U2 album that Apple installed, except the only difference was Apple told you right <laughs> as they did it. Apple was very transparent about that right up front. But uh, so a curious add-on, according to the article, called Looking Glass started popping up on Firefox for uh, not everybody, but several users, um, whether you gave it permission to or not. And it gave, it made the internet, it made it look like people were being hacked almost. Um, I know that some of it was just inverting text and um, it was, it's just something that, and that like, there's the description that you have up on the, on the, the stream. My reality is just different from yours. Um, so it's, it's a little bit creepy for people who weren't expecting this. <laughs> yep. Especially with, coming from a show such as Mr. Robot. So, and I'm curious to, to hear your guys' thoughts on like, why, or what do you think? Is this overstepping their boundary or um, is this perfectly within the rights of Firefox to install add-ons without user's permission? See if we can get a discussion going on what that means for the consumer. Because it, I personally think it's overstepping a little bit. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't like this notion either. I think it's overstepping a bit. Um, I don't really see how what the big benefit was for them making this their their time to try it either, so to speak. Um, you know, Mr. Robot, great show. Sure, I like it. Um, you know, bringing something alternate rea an AR game. Um, also something that's mm -hmm. kind of trendy and cool, but I don't know why you'd, <clears throat> you know, uh, potentially anger your user community with something like this and kind of force it on them. Um, Irv, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's definitely not right that they did this and people were opted into something that they didn't realize they were opted into, um, already by default, um, which is kind of. Uh, shady mm -hmm. um yeah so there is more of an opt-out uh type of uh feature than an opt-in i like opt-in better where you have to physically click a box yeah uh, to, uh, accept like you know exactly what you're expecting uh accepting uh, but here people were signed up for something against their knowledge um 
Yeah, it's definitely not right. You're getting into my machine. You're putting inside something. In this case, it wasn't um, anything nefarious, so it wasn't malware or anything, but it could have been. This could be used against, like a, a hacker could have gotten access to this type of functionality, right? Mozilla servers got hacked. Um, they could release uh, any extension that they want to um any user who's opted into this type of program that's just a scenario that i can think of um right and this comes from mozilla's shield studies program mm -hmm. so users who um were part of this it it seems like it's a it's a bit of a beta program um that firefox has and it is something that some people have evidently not even been aware of what they were signed up for. So it's a it's a platform available on on all of their Firefox channels to allow you to test features. And some of them ask for your permission and others just kind of automatically install themselves, such as this one. Um, but the fact that people weren't even aware that they were part of the Shield Studies program kind of is a little sketchy also. They should make that very apparent. Um, but the... There has been an update from Mozilla on this um, because they got some pretty serious backlash from this over the course of last week. So they came out and were saying that while it was sent over to Firefox users who um, never collected any data and had been explicitly enabled by users playing the game before it would affect any web content, we heard from some of the experience caused confusion and they're moving it to their add-on store in the next day. Um, and this was probably as of a couple of days ago. So it's good to know that they're listening to people. It was edited 19 hours ago, so they commented that yesterday, or the update was posted yesterday. So um, it's good to know. And another thing that, another step that they actually took that I like in the article is that um, can continue to solve the puzzle and the source can be viewed in a public repository. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's probably the best possible way to correct yourself in the scenario like this. So you can see the source as well as try out the app. So anybody who's worried about data collection can go and view the source or someone could audit it and uh, get the information they need. So that's, that's good to know. And I'm happy that they did that because that's a good response. Uh, you can install Firefox on your new iMac Pro. I know, Urban, you were specking one out earlier. Um, so were you. <laughs> so, yeah, so was, I got it. Uh, the, this is not a cheap iMac Pro. Um, as a heads up to anybody looking to upgrade their iMac, um, it starts at $5,000. And we were able to spec it all the way up to $13,000 plus. Dollars. So you check all the boxes. And you have to. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna spend five thousand on a computer, you might as well spend thirteen thousand. Am I right? Yeah. If if yeah. if you're satisfied with your car and your student loans are paid off, then go for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. If you need something else to open a mortgage on, you can just get an iMac Pro. Or if, if and, you're riding that crypto. So the machine was initially <laughs> announced during WWDC of during the summer, June or July, I want to say, um, and. During that keynote, they said it's going to launch in December, and they uh, didn't push it off like they did with the HomePod. So it officially launched on December 14th, and now it's available to order. Um, if you want 
the 18 core model, you'll have to wait till um, end of February to get it at this point. Um, but if you want one of the eight or 10 cores, you can order one and get it in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, from the, any initial uh, uh, benchmarks and the people who have looked at this machine uh, to test its performance, it's uh, really impressive. Um, I know that I saw um, people on Twitter uh, who had access to the machine were um, using it to edit 8K uh, uncompressed raw video. Um, and it could export a, a one minute uh, 8K footage uncompressed with full color grading um, and everything in uh, a one minute. So a one to one export ratio, which is really, really impressive um, for 8K, uh, 8K video. Um, you can spec it up up to 120 gigs of RAM, four terabytes of SSD storage and a Vega 64 GPU. Um, it's mainly designed for pros, uh, like it's in the name. Uh, so for anyone in um, video editing field, um, uh, machine learning as well, um, um, and 3D animators, visual artists, the people who use Photoshop, people uh people like that that's what who mainly insane for yeah um, and people have also looked at uh comparable if you want the same type of hardware in a pc it's the price is comparable so okay. what you get inside of this machine although some of the things that are actually in this machine are not actually available to purchase uh, off the shelf but if you can get close the price is comparable mm -hmm. um this has been, um, if if I'm if I remember correctly, this has been meant more so to hold over the pro users for the release of the updated um, Mac Pro. Yeah, the modular uh, rubbish bin, as many people have described <laughs> it as. Um, so, if this thing's a beast, uh, to say the least, but it's not very modular, which doesn't appeal to that group. But yeah, you anybody. Don't you yeah. can't upgrade the ram uh but you can't do it yourself you have to take it into an apple store or an apple certified uh service center and they have to do it um to upgrade the ram that's the literally the only component you can upgrade uh, after <laughs> if you, purchase um yeah but if you need to upgrade past an 18 core cpu then you're obviously not in the correct market you should no longer be in the consumer market if you need more cores than 18 well, cores name for the consumer at all i don't think most people <laughs> buy this to run minecraft for example um, i mean I, I guess i should cancel my order then <laughs> <laughs> one of the most special things that it does come in the box with is a special space space uh uh or a black usb a to lightning cable that you can only get uh uh, with the iMac Pro, you can't buy that anywhere else. And you can also get a Space Gray Magic Mouse and Magic Keyboard, and you can't buy that separately either. You have to buy this machine to get those. Yeah. The only way you could get that is if you went through like Colorware or something like that and had yeah. them custom make one for you. I know they actually, that's one of the products they sell, which is so people who are looking to get a Space Gray keyboard and not spend $5,000 to get it, you can get it that way. But, um, this thing's this thing's a beast, 
and there's a couple videos in the article too from um, Marquez Brownlee and Jonathan Morrison who've had very good coverage of of this computer. So the the and it's important to note that um, the 14 and 18 core iMac Pro won't be available until later in 2018. But right now you can get the eight and ten core variants. So, yep. but yeah, um, interesting stuff. <laughs> we'll see. So the Apple's been trying to get to the, back into the pro, mar- pro market. The Mac Pro wasn't really a hit. The the one that was released, the trash can that you mentioned in 2013, um, the performance wasn't what people were expecting. Um, the laptops have been getting a lot of backlash in terms of the performance that they offer for the price that they charge. Um, so Apple's trying to make nice, play nice with the pro market mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of people who were doing uh, graphics-related work were always um, back in the day will always be on a Mac, right? Just because that's what um, they either grew up, uh, got used to using, um, or it for some people argue that it's better uh, for that type of work, the operating system, um, right. hardware uh, together. Um, so people have been uh, switching over to Windows quite a bit from Mac OS uh, for used for creative work, uh, just getting more powerful machines to do the same thing. Um, so hopefully this will uh, try to uh, will try to get back those uh, customers that Apple potentially lost from uh, the pro, pro market. Uh, but I do think that most people will still be. Uh, the most hardcore uh, of the pros will still be holding out for that modular uh, Mac Pro that they're currently be- worked on. They haven't said when they're going to release that. Uh, I'm assuming at some point next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to watch for to see what that will be. It will be like a full tower PC where you can just swap out parts at any point. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, they got to like do this the old- too. The, the old cheese grater Mac. Yeah. I love that tower. Mm. I actually looked on eBay to buy one of those towers and convert it into an actual PC. Oh, really? Like, because I love just the look of the, that metal yeah. case. Um, it made some nice looking towers back in the day. But it's important because they are losing, like you're saying, the pro market. So this is important for them to try to recapture that market. But... um. So Twitter has some news. Uh, they have started recognizing tweet storms with a new feature called Threads. Um, so everybody's favorite people on Twitter, when they go on rants, they can now easily string those tweets together instead of replying to their same tweet. So they're calling it, the, the company is officially referring to them as Threads, but um, there'll be a new plus button in the Composer section of Twitter in when you go to post a tweet and if you've gone past their expanded character count for whatever reason for whatever rant you want to go on then um you can just hit a plus button and it will quickly string multiple tweets together which is kind of a cool feature but um i don't know if this kind of breaks the point of twitter in a way because (laughs) most of its creativity came from people being confined to these tiny blocks of text yeah and like now they recently also expanded the character count so it's not 280 characters like i don't really see the point like just 
keep it nice and concise. I don't want to read entire novel on Twitter. Like just yeah. just make your point and move on. Like I yeah. don't. Uh, and also, you can't edit tweets. <laughs> you can't. You still can't edit tweets. That is still, yeah. You can correct it in the follow up on your thread, but you can't edit that first tweet. <laughs> delete it and then repost. So uh, I'm interested. So they say hundreds of thousands of threads are posted daily. So the need for an official feature has been apparent for years. So, How many millions of people use Twitter every day? Uh, that I don't know off the top of my head. It doesn't seem that, that I have a percentage. Like it's not that widely used. Uh, from my Twitter, I, I use Twitter daily uh, yeah. to read it. Um, and I don't, I see some here and there, but not many. Yeah. Um, well, that's hundreds of thousands daily. So maybe that's more important to note. But um, I think this has been a feature, and they, they, they actually mentioned this. So they, not that I think it actually is. Um, it's been a feature in third party apps for a while now. And the article says since 2008. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, Jeff, any thoughts? Um, Twitter? Yeah. I don't even know if you do. I used to. I don't really see the point anymore. Um, I think that people are bound to do this. They've been doing this for a while without this feature being added. And I think that, you know, maybe if you're telling a story or um, you have a few key points on the subject that you want to string together, uh, it's, it's useful. People may just want to retweet one of those. Um, but I, I pretty much agree with you guys. What's the point? I mean, Twitter's here, so you can share your thoughts in a concise form. And if you're no longer uh, putting that restriction on, then really, right. why, why is it even there? But The only benefit that I can see is that whenever I4O covers an event, that we'll be able to have a, a long tweet thread to summarize the entire yeah. show. I but, guess, I mean, we could start viewing Twitter separately. I mean, it's it's evolving. It's yeah. no longer bound to those characters. Now it's maybe just, you know, your personal text-based news feed for your friends and your mm -hmm. pages. Yeah. So. Also, if you're watching this on Twitter, hello. We're on Paris. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, Jeff. I don't know you joined last time, but we're live on Periscope, which is live, which is Twitter-owned. Um, so hello, Twitter watchers. Hello, tweet watchers. <laughs> Curious to hear anybody else's thoughts on this, too, from, yeah. from the Twitter sphere and from YouTube and Twitch. Um, but yeah. yeah, so, I mean, at that point, you might as well just write a blog post. But, I mean, it's... I think you're going to see that's, different kinds of creativity. That's kind of what so. I'm getting at too, though, Matt. Is like maybe this is to drift away from the need for a blog. Twitter's yeah. so huge already. It's kind of it's kind of merging what it already is with the idea of a blog. Yeah, Twitter's had a bit of an identity crisis over the past year or two, just because they're losing value and yeah. they need to find a way to uh, keep users on the site. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is a move to capture people who are commonly found on blogging forums and hold them to Twitter. Yeah. So that, that's actually a good potential for that. So, but speaking of companies floundering and scavenging <laughs> for money, um, <laughs> Snapchat has released Lens Studio, the tool for creating your own AR effects. And Irvin, we can, now you can make your own hot dog, dancing hot dog guy. Yeah. And with Snapchat's ability to write applications, do you think the, even the iMac Pro could handle this studio? Uh, it's too advanced, too yeah. advanced graphics that I don't know if it can handle that. 
realer than life <laughs> real than life dancing hot dog dude maybe he yeah. would just be restricted to one dance move <laughs> maybe <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's opening up this Lens Studio app for it's a native app running on Mac and Windows um, that lets you um, design your own AR lens. So those lenses that you swipe over to the right that uh, put e things uh, over your face or um, on um, on the ground where you can put objects down there. Um, uh, now you can make your own. Uh, so it's open to. Um, anyone who would like to design it um, uh, and you can also do scripting a scripting API allows you to build additional effects into the design like you can change the shapes by tapping on them for example or um, uh, altering uh, the behavior as like if you walk closer to an object um, it's fairly cool um, yeah. I think that um Snapchat is on to something with this, all jokes aside. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Snapchat, because they've been, they haven't been doing too well in stocks. Everybody knows that. They haven't been doing too well in finding their market. But I think that Snapchat's going to find a home in AR. So they, it, it's, it's new. Snapchat has a, a very broad market of millennials and even older people as well. And, um, Snapchat is looking for a, something to hold on to. And it looks like that they're going all in on AR with this, mm. opening it up to everybody. And there's like the, the future is almost limitless with AR. So um, this may very well be the thing that saves Snapchat if they can do this right. Well, so. let's see what they do, Matt, because I mean, I know it's our next topic, but you got big names getting into AR as well. Google and Apple. Mm -hmm. Um Last night, prepping for the show, Urban and I were talking about the the if you guys are ready to move in, if we could just kind of merge the two topics, um, yeah. the AR Core developer previewed too um, with Google. I know Urban and I were messing around with stickers on our pixels, and I, I was playing with that the other too. day too. Yeah, um, talking about like you know you can they have the Star Wars theme. You can add stormtroopers to your environment and then you walk around and they're exactly where you left them still moving around placed in size the right way um it's not it's not difficult to really envision a future where someone like snapchat or google or apple has some kind of tech with ar where you come home and you have maybe like your little ar dog waiting for you wagging its tail mm -hmm. saying hi you know or um a robot assistant who is ready to help you manage your schedule things like that yeah like a permanent ar fixture in your house yeah and i i mean as usually there is kind of like a dominant force in this kind of technology um but it's cool to see you know snapchat going to a, a customization sort of route with the ar um mm -hmm. i think that is a huge step in this as opposed to just saying hey, place this basically advertiser content on your camera for fun or a dancing hot dog on your camera for fun. If you can really tweak that in a way where you, you personalize it. It's An important note too about this Lens Studio, uh, just to go back a little bit. Um, it's uh, not for putting it out for anyone who's using the Snapchat app to use. Um, it's more for a personal use. Uh, so, well, personal in a way that anyone 
uh, once you create um, a, a lens within the studio, it will generate a snap code and anyone with that snap code can uh, get it on their phone. Um, so it's not once you uh, make one, it's not available all with within the app without that use of that snap code. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you imagine the chaos if it was? <laughs> it's like, can you imagine the chaos if it was? There'd be so many. Yeah. Oh yeah. And right now, it's not real. It's not going through a formal approval process. Approval process, which oh, could be dangerous. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but be... it does say that the the lenses must adhere to the company guidelines. But I'm sure there will be a couple that'll go through those guidelines and be published and and spread over the internet. Uh, It'd be cool to see if I can make an iPhone one. I'm sure we can. And between you guys and when we do the show, we can uh, post on Snapchat with our <laughs> uh, augmented reality uh, lens. Be pretty cool. Yeah, you can just have like a, a head overlay. And that would then be the yeah. lower third. <laughs> and I like that the floating lower thirds. Yeah. Um, something also that's important to note with. Um, Kind of since we're blending these two topics yeah. um, with this AR Core 2.0 or Developer Preview 2, um, this also comes in the same week as the news that uh, Google is taking down Project Tango. Yep. As well, in favor of AR Core, so out with the old and in with the new. Yeah. So Project Tango was uh, um, a platform so, where it used additional sensors, additional to just using a camera, gyroscope, and an accelerometer. It had depth sensing uh, uh, cameras on these devices as well. There's several AR or Tango phones that launched, I think two or three. I know mm-hmm. there was a tablet as well made by NVIDIA that was more meant for uh, developers to use uh, that launched. So now with AR core being on par in my opinion to what project tango could do just by utilizing a camera and the sensors inside your phone um now they're shutting down um project tango because there's no need for uh devices with these additional sensors anymore which is pretty cool right um, opinion and And yeah the fact that AR Core is caught up to Project Tango because you were saying Tango required all this extra hardware on a phone, which yeah. made them look beefy and like unwieldy. Mm-hmm. This means that Google is going to be able to build way more powerful devices for the same size. So like imagine an AR Core developer preview phone or AR Core phone with the same size and hardware capabilities of a Tango phone. Mm-hmm. Imagine what like that would be able to do. Mm-hmm. So. And it's not just for, so we mentioned the AR, the stickers, uh, those are exclusive to the Pixel right. uh, phones, but uh, this AR core can be used mm-hmm. on uh, any phone, I think, running uh, 7.0 and above, I think. Uh, I have to confirm I that. You're right. um, it has support over 100 million devices. But, uh, um, so that's, that's a fairly bit good amount of Android phones out there. Um, just a few. Just a few, 100 million. <laughs> um, so it's competing directly with the AR efforts that Apple launched during WWDC of this year. Yes. Uh, that also doesn't require any special hardware. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it matches, I think, the the performance um, of that. I would love to see more and more real world uses of AR. I know the stickers are cool and fun, but how often are you going to actually use that other than showing off to uh, your friends? <laughs> um, <laughs> But like the one, uh, 
that I really like is the IKEA uh, version of it, uh, where you have the IKEA app and you can put literally any furniture that's in the app in a real space and see how it would look like if you actually bought it. Um, that's a really cool application of this AR technology. Um, I've seen others on the Apple side, like the one for um, um, doing measurements. That was, that was pretty cool to do measurements on, on your floor in augmented reality. So you can just point to two locations on your floor and it'll say exactly what the distance is. That's right. Uh, between them. Um, I think there's also an app available on Android that does the same thing using AR Core. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some stuff people are playing with, but I've seen videos of people playing with some of the AR Core stuff on their phones. Yeah, I tested this. I lined up a a, a line, a, a, a huge line of stormtroopers, um, in a, like a wavy line. So like it, they were all over the place, uh, but they were standing right behind one another. And I walked away from them completely, where they were out of sight. And then on when I turned my phone back to where they were, they were exactly where I left them. Yep. Like the sensing in this is really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. Kind of crazy. One thing I haven't tried uh, is what if you left the room? Can you see them anymore through the wall? Or I forget yeah, how. Yeah, I think it, okay. you, you still can. It doesn't detect walls yet. It yeah. does detect. The only thing that it detects, I think it's the ambient lighting. So if you're in a darker room, the, the shadows on the objects that are in, uh, AR will also be um, matching the ambient light within the room. I saw oh, that. Really cool. Yeah. Um, I dropped uh, BB-8 into a bar and I slid him into a dark corner and he became almost invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <Pretty> cool. yeah. <laughs> it was cool though. It's cool that they're actually considering lighting and I'm sure that as AR core gets more fleshed out, they're going to do depth detection yeah. and walls and yeah, detect yeah. like, oh, there's a wall so I shouldn't show didn't, shouldn't um Mm -hmm. have you had them interact with each other yet or you yeah so i put down a stormtrooper and uh bb8 and um when you when you walk up to a stormtrooper yeah it says uh stand back or go like go back uh when you get start getting close to them mm -hmm. uh, bba also like makes extra beeping noises when you go up to it yeah. <laughs> up to it if you some of them will interact with each other too like i dropped yeah. bb8 and r2 and they kind of had a conversation with one another <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's cool and the future of ar is exciting and this is just like the entertainment value stuff we're not even going to be going into like the practical uses for ar and i think it has a huge use in like the commercial realm like uh oh, yeah. like the ikea kind of stuff you're talking about um i think i mentioned in an earlier episode but like checking out new hairstyles or like how glasses are going to look on you you know mm -hmm. what how are you going to look in those lebron sneakers like yeah yeah tattoos, and even there's I don't know. other uses too like google detailed um like when you point the camera at a store like you see yelp reviews pop up for that restaurant yeah or... yeah yeah so that's coming in the assistant uh soon mm -hmm. hopefully yeah so and they're coming so i'm excited to see what what people make with this because since these are both development platforms it's open to people to develop and produce their own ideas. And I'm sure the coolest ones are going to surface all over the place. I'm really starting to wonder how this is going to take shape now. I mean, I've been messing around with the daydream as you guys know, and mm -hmm. like just kind of that concept of viewing Netflix in a virtual, if, if any listener doesn't know the daydream is Google's like VR headset that you use with your, your smartphone. So like my pixel two XL 
and it like puts me in a log cabin to watch Netflix when I used the Netflix VR app. I'm curious if they have some kind of like, I guess, glasses for AR when that becomes applicable. Um, I'm not sure what form that's going to take, but it'd be cool if you could like, you know, make all your windows look like it's snowing outside or, yeah, yeah. you know, put a projector screen up on your wall of whatever you want to stream. And Well, I think they showed some of those at CES, uh, glass that works as an LCD panel. Yeah. So you could have, um, or as a, as a screen, so you could like display stuff over the screen, which is pretty cool, but maybe we'll see a return of Google glass, but in way less of a, of like a broy type annoying person way. <laughs> <laughs> the new Bluetooth. So, so but before that though we're going to get internet access via laser beams so this is pretty cool um they already uh the alphabet wants to deliver internet access through lasers um so this is going oh what's that i just said freaking lasers i was gonna say (laughs) i'm starting to think alphabet's owned by dr evil or something but (laughs) yeah so uh, they're going to, um, it's basically going to be, I think, a substitute for optical cables and for uh, fiber internet. Um, it will involve, they say, in India, they're rolling it out in India, will feature 2,000 boxes installed as far as 20 kilometers, which is 12 miles for you Americans, apart <laughs> on posts and roofs. So it's expected to hit 20 gigabits from box to box. So 20 gigabits of speed per second um from box to box over the span of 12 miles which is insane that's absolutely insane it is can you imagine like instead of setting up an ethernet cable you just set up you plug something into your box and then you plug something into your router and you just set up a bunch of mirrors between them (laughs) (laughs) just to deflect this like heavy red laser through your house i'm just like really curious how they're going to get around interference and signal blocking with this stuff yeah yeah because they're saying that there's a lot of atmospheric disturbances like rain snow fog dust heat yeah. and that just me and also you're going to probably get someone staring into the laser at one point or another i mean we were talking about a couple episodes back uh like a new venture in technology using basically like wireless uh oh gosh I'm drawing a blank here. There's a new, oh, well, like a Wi-Fi sort of uh, form of transferring electricity. Mm-hmm. For ambient charging. Yeah. So like, I don't. I know the just... same. The same issues were present there, and they're seeing how, you know, the environment would affect that. I wonder if Alphabet is working together with those, those who are uh, researching that kind of stuff. I don't know, but. Um... I'm pretty sure that just having this in certain countries, because this would, I'm assuming this would start off being used in uh, third world countries and countries that have underdeveloped infrastructure for internet and broadband capabilities. So um, even if you're starting from 20 gigabits and you have 10% interference, you're still getting what, 18 gigabits per second of speed. So, I mean, going from nothing to, 20 gigabits with intermittent interference, depending on if it's monsoon season or not, is like incredible. It's for insane. Yeah. Some of these communities. And it's, it's a, and lasers are much cheaper than laying lines. So, yep. Which is awesome because you can, 
you will probably still have to lay lines, but the the distances will be far shorter. You could just shoot internet between the between two developments, and that's it, which is awesome. So, I think this is exciting, and I think this is a huge step forward in connecting the rest of the world to the internet. Yeah, I definitely but, agree. Yeah. Um, and, so last uh, week we talked about Amazon and Google. Um, well, Google started block uh, Amazon. Uh, from accessing YouTube on their Echo Show devices. Um, so there's a little feud in between uh, these two companies. Um, and I think we mentioned this, that Amazon hasn't been selling uh, Google uh, Chromecast devices or Apple TVs for that matter, uh, because they're selling competing um, uh, Fire Stick or Fire TV devices. Uh, that pretty much do the same thing as the Chromecast and the Apple TV. So for the past few years, they Amazon hasn't been selling those devices on their website. But now, as of a couple of days ago, Amazon is now back at selling Apple TV and Google Chromecast again. Uh, so what this sounds like is there those two companies, there are three companies, Apple, um, Amazon, and Google are in the talks again to play nicely. Um, uh, Amazon just launched recently on the Apple TV as well. So now you can watch Amazon video on the Apple TV. Maybe that's why they uh, put the Apple TV back on because now you can actually uh, watch Amazon content on the Apple TV. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I think that Amazon is just using their power to control what people can buy and what services are on uh, are available on these devices. And I think it's not right to do that. Yeah. People should be able to buy it buy a device on amazon even if it doesn't support amazon's own services and it most of the time it's even up to amazon to actually provide that service it's not the manufacturer's fault <laughs> that that device doesn't offer amazon uh which is kind of interesting yeah um, but it's 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 very petty to say the least between amazon and google but um it's i just find it funny that they time this for right as the holiday season is ending and not at the beginning of the holiday season so they could at least cash in on some revenue from from hosting these products but yes. a couple of the examples that the article mentions about this uh bitter argument between google and amazon is if you were to ask an echo device to order a chromecast amazon would automatically put a fire stick in your cart instead <laughs> <laughs> and um in in retaliation to that, Google pulled YouTube from the Echo Show and announced to remove the app from Fire TV. And Amazon claims that this amounts to selectively blocking customer access to an open website. But the, it's a two-way street here, Amazon. So yeah. you, can't, you can't you can't just say one thing and look and look over your shoulder on the other thing that's going on. But now maybe they'll actually put a Chromecast in your shopping cart instead of <laughs> instead of a Fire Stick. Yep. Uh, so now it's just Google and Chromecast devices. The Google Home is still not available, and neither are any of the Nest devices that uh, Google also develops. Uh, they are still absent from the Amazon.com uh, webpage. Uh, so now, right now, it's only yeah. Chromecast that you can buy, but uh, baby steps. Amazon is awesome. <laughs> baby steps. So maybe something might have happened between now and then because I'm on the Amazon listing for the Chromecast Ultra, and it says currently unavailable. Oh, so. Right. Maybe not yet. Out. Yeah, let me see if the Chromecast is available. I'm curious now. <laughs> that's got me. That's got me. Oh, that's unavailable too. So uh -oh. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. What about the Apple TV? Live testing. Yeah, I'm checking that now. <laughs> I'm checking that now. Let's see. So that way nobody goes and picks up some stuff. Let's see here. Is it available? Apple TV is unavailable. Apple TV is 4K is unavailable. Okay, so and Santa, uh, Amazon's picking them up. Through usual Amazon. business at Amazon. Yeah. Hmm. Well, now they're at least showing up. Previously, they <laughs> weren't even showing up on the site. Yeah, uh, even yeah. available or unavailable. So there's probably a rollout. Sure. They're probably rolling it out. Maybe if somebody else went and tried it. But yeah, um, I'm not going to necessarily know when it happens, but just ex- I guess we can expect to see it in the next few days because, yeah, like you said, they are now posted on Amazon. So, so at least there's that. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Google will spin around after this and give Amazon YouTube back. So we'll see. <laughs> I feel but, like that's a bigger, bigger play. Yeah. But... <laughs> so um, I think that covers everything for the show. If anybody has any closing notes um, to talk about, but if not, then um, I guess we can begin the, the plugs. So, um, do you guys want to plug your stuff before we go into the show? Or I know you guys have been, Jeff, I know you said you were going to be getting back into working on some beats. Yeah, I started to a little bit now that I have some downtime. Um, nice. You could find any of the beats you hear in this episode or a couple other beats I put together at soundcloud.com slash the J bones spelled out. Um, I am looking to get more content up there for you in the near future. Uh, some old stuff, but check it out. Nice. And um, I'm going to just go ahead and go through our notes. So if as for the show, uh, you can find us on various uh, social media platforms, as you probably already know. You can find us um, where we on Facebook, uh, Twitch and Twitter, as well as Podbean, our host site at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, Facebook, we typically keep up to date with some news, and we just recently had an important post from the repealing of net neutrality. So uh, anybody who wants to, um, I collated a list of the episodes in which we had brought up information about net neutrality and posted them in there for your information if you wanted to do some more research. And later in the week, we will also be um, doing a deep dive on net neutrality itself. Um, so just a little tangent there for some information on stuff we have coming up later in the week. And um, as for everything else, you can find us if you want to listen to the show. If you're not watching us live on Twitch, YouTube, or Periscope, you can catch us on Podbean, uh, Google Play, and iTunes at Industry 4.0. And you can also find our feed on any of your favorite podcasting apps. So with that, uh, that's been episode 32. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. 